the most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom, to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents the Jim Ross Report. (laughs) With WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. And now, the man himself, good old JR. Well, thank you very much, and hello again, everybody. I am good old JR Jim Ross. Thanks for downloading the Jim Ross Report here on the mighty Westwood One. Appreciate you very much for subscribing for free at Apple Podcast, uh, Google Play, or wherever you catch your podcasts, your fix, your audio fix. This is Slavin Rocker Audio, by the way, an exclusive in all of podcasting. Uh, so, and by the way, if you're going to uh, subscribe or you have a chance to spend one minute going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating, I will dance at your next wedding. How about that? Uh, and remember, the uh, we're, we're all uh, attached now to Amazon's Alexa. All you got to do is uh, first enable these skills by saying, Alexa, enable the Jim Ross Report skill. And then after that, you're done. Just say, Alexa, play the Jim Ross report. That easy. And if you're a fancy Dan, as Hacksaw Jim Duggan used to say, uh, you can go to the Google Home activation and simply say, okay, Google. That's what it says here. Okay, Google. Talk to the Jim Ross report or speak to the Jim Ross report. Okay, Google. I want to speak to the Jim Ross report. So that's that on that deal. Good show today. A lot of things to cover. A lot of big news items, trials and tribulations and Japanese business and WWE business. And my guest this week is uh, probably one of the more busier people in the business. Don Callis is going to be joining me here in a few moments. But first, ladies and gentlemen, by God, I know you want it. You need it. You gots to have it. Here's what's on my mind. Well, uh, this is kind of becoming a unique uh, segment, kind of popular uh, in the fact that People are curious as to what I thought about watching Monday Night Raw, for example. Uh, the show that Jerry Lawler and I and Paul Heyman and I uh, manned the ringside broadcast desk for many, many years. Still watch it. It's habit-forming. I'm just a Monday Night Television wrestling guy, and Raw's my show. So I thought the go-home show, going home meaning this Sunday is Money in the Bank pay-per-view, uh, the show was uh, solid, no doubt, solid show, highlighted – in my opinion, by some st- really strong in-ring work, including two well-booked four-ways, which is not easy, by the way. And the one question I might have regarding that is, are we seeing, in wrestling in general, too many multiple-person matches uh, within the business as a whole? I think the oversaturation of these three-ways, four-ways, we're talking wrestling here now, don't let your mind get in the gutter, are making them less special. Only my two cents. Uh, They need to be uh, used less, and they will mean more. I thought Braun Strowman was highlighted in the the four-way without forcing Braun on us, down our proverbial throats. The big North Carolinian improves every week, folks, and is en route to becoming uh, cast in a great role in WWE, in my opinion. It's a layup. But I like the deliberateness. We don't have to hurry with this process. I could care less if Strowman isn't anointed until WrestleMania in the Big Apple. What better place 
for this big monster to be in the Big Apple and win the main event at WrestleMania. Makes sense to me. So uh, also, like, uh, Finn Balor had a real good outing Monday night. And he's going to be hard to not elevate sooner than later if he continues this aggressive role that he's been on. Great facial expressions, great body English. Uh, I know that he cares. And I know that for a fact, too, by the way. Great kid. Good family. Irish, you know. I'm going there soon. Paul O'Brien and I are going to have some pints. Or maybe more. Kevin Owens had a good night. He's always consistently good. Don't overlook Kevin Owens. Don't judge that book by its cover. He's a territory guy. It means he's, he's, a, he's a keeper. And I still think Bobby Roode needs to be a villain. Just my opinion. I thought the ladies are especially physical and aggressive in their four-way bout, led by what appears to be the leader of the raw women in uh, Natty, Natalia. Jim the Anvil Nightheart's baby girl. Stu Hart's granddaughter. She's got all the DNA you'd ever want, and she's a leader. I enjoy the aggression also of Ember Moon. She's a man of inner without question. She uh, trained by Booker T in this uh, academy down in Houston, and uh, did a great job, him and his staff. Ember Moon's a keeper, and if you're in the Houston area or, or beyond, that's not a bad place to, if you want wrestling training, hard to beat, hard to beat. Curious as to how the Rollins-Elias rivalry evolves, because I, I wonder how good is Elias bell-to-bell? Because there's no doubt that Elias doesn't have the verbal aspect of his game down pat. Really good. Good talker. Good singer. Uh, if Elias can go step-for-step step with the talented Rollins in any environment, then all of our questions about uh, Elias's in-ring skills will definitely be answered. I enjoyed the uh, Rousey uh nia jack confrontation uh I, I it was not too long for me some fans complained about it uh i hear experts talk about well ronda's got her verbal skills are not as refined as as uh so so another give another example another another talker well hell of course it's not this is new to her don't be pissed off at ronda rousey because she's in a new world uh that she was invited to join and made worth their while, I don't get why that's a bad thing. I think she's doing fine. I really do. I mean, look, she won me over a long time ago as a as a badass athlete. Great skill set all the way around. She's a different breed of cat. She's like Kurt Angle was when he first, uh, young and full of P&B, when he first came to WWE. He was on a different athletic level than most of the other guys. As a matter of fact, I'd say probably all of the other guys. He was that good that he's able to separate. And that's what happens when you win gold medals. And you're in international competition. You excel there. Ronda did that. 17-year-old Olympian. Bronze medalist. So uh, I think her verbal skills have improved. I'd give her some bullet points. I'd keep her off TV in that role unless it's just sound bites. Because that's what we basically remember anyway. That's a society we live in. So her athletic skills are still amazing. Uh, I thought uh, Nia verbally sold her story very well. And I can see these two ladies silencing many of their critics come Sunday at Money in the Bank. When I hear ex-wrestlers or, or older wrestlers bitch about Ronda Rousey, I believe it's based on jealousy. And the fact that a lot of men are still having a hard time with the females taking up so much of their time on television. Their time. It's our time. So... And it was the same thing in the territories. When Moolah's girls came to the territory, 
four girls came in, four guys were sent home with no pay. If they're there two weeks, then you're unbooked for two weeks and no paycheck, no guarantees. You don't get paid unless you work. So the the women, unless they were giving it up to some of the boys, which most of the women were playing on the other team, didn't have any desire to do that. So consequently, uh, the women usually had heat on them and angst. What a good good scenario. So it's so much better now. But nonetheless, it always comes down, folks, to maximizing one's minutes of valuable WWTV time and what talents are brave enough to expand their game and never allow themselves to be a prisoner of their own damn comfort zone, which is all of our enemy. All of our enemy. When you stop growing, you start dying in anything we do, our job, our relationship, being a parent, being a brother, being a friend. When we stop growing, we're headed south. And that ain't good. SmackDown Afterthoughts, uh, another solid go-home show. I think SmackDown's been a little bit better than Raw, and I think one of the reasons is because we draw that conclusion when the shows are concluded. It's hard to draw a more positive conclusion on a three-hour Monday Night Raw than it is a two-hour SmackDown show. That's just my take on it. Uh, good good go-home show from Memphis, uh, especially the in-ring product. Some really good stuff uh, Tuesday night. And an appearance by my old-time broadcast partner, Jerry the King Lawler, who I'll be doing some shows with this summer, Jerry and the King Live. And uh, we'll talk more about that later on. But uh, always good to see the King back on TV, especially in his hometown. Uh, I thought the Sheldon Benjamin versus Daniel Bryan match was excellent. Great outing. It featured strong grappling from both men. Their moves, their match made sense. I didn't roll my eyes at any point during the confrontation. I think Shelton Benjamin can be better utilized, in my opinion, and yes, I'm biased. Remember, Shelton came in that one class that we had down in OVW, Lesnar, Cena, Orton, Batista, Benjamin. And you know what I think about Shelton's uh, athletic abilities off the page. And anybody that Shelton wrestles, he will make better. So some of the greener guys uh, can have longer house show matches, live event matches, with a guy like Sheldon and learn something on the road. So moving to Daniel Bryan, I'll tell you what, he's as good as he's ever been in my eyes. And that's high praise. He's really, really good. Uh, great things he does, his facial expressions, he's serious. This is his job. This is his business. He's a competitive athlete. He carries himself as such. And uh, I'll tell you this, Big Cass is going to be challenged to stay on the same athletic level of Daniel Bryant bell to bell this Sunday. So I would say that this is the biggest opportunity that uh, Big Cass has had in WWE. And so we'll see what the seven footers got come Sunday at uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, surprised to see uh, Rusev, quite frankly, uh, defeat Samoa Joe, but I do commend WWE for providing us a winner. And I don't feel as, uh, you know, I. I I just don't feel that a, a well-structured competitive match merits a non-finish. I think it's a crutch for a lot of promoters. Every promotion will rely, when they can't come up to a consensus to make all their talents happy, they generally end up with a DQ, disqualification or count-out. That's a cop-out. Uh, you know, Leroy McGurk said a total, total talent one time, this guy was uh, going to come in the territory, and he said, you know, Leroy, I don't, uh, I don't like to lose the first six, six months or a year that I'm there so I can help myself get over. We can draw more money together, blah, blah, blah. And Leroy said, I remember vividly, he said, if you've got a problem losing, 
I got a problem with you winning. And the guy never got booked. He never came in. So uh, I just I think that non-finishes leaves many fans with a negative feeling, which no TV producer desires, right? Uh, plus, it can also be considered to be lazy booking, as I mentioned. Uh, I read online where one pundit said, Joe wasn't protected. Are you kidding? How can you be a, a journalist and say something so ridiculous? Joe wasn't protected. Losing to another person's finish, notwithstanding the outside interference, is not a downer. Protecting talents is overrated. Did you hear me? Protecting talents is overrated. The art of performing at a high level in a pro wrestling match should be enough protection for any skilled performer. But don't be misled. Having winners and losers not engulfed in disqualifications and countouts is still imperative. Winners and losers still count, but losing doesn't kill you. Uh, I saw, I was listening to the radio the other day. Somebody said, well, if Nia Jack loses to Ronda Rousey, she'll go, she'll go all the way down to the mid-card. Based on what? How's that happen? Is that, is that the direction? Is that, has that been pre, preordained? Maybe it's overreaction. Just my opinion. I thought uh, Nakamura and Jeff Hardy had a great uh, show closer. Fans seemed to like it. They bought into it. Again, remember, there's a difference of being the finale of a two-hour show and being the closing act of a three-hour broadcast. Big difference. I think Nakamura is getting closer to the old Shinsuke that we saw in his New Japan days. I really do. I've always had faith in this guy. I saw him at his best at New Japan. He's he's phenomenal. No no, no offense uh, meant there, AJ. And uh, I like his more aggressive and ruthless uh, style. And I like the fact that he works snug. Uh, I like the knees, the shin bone kicks, the things that he does that are the strikes with his, with his lower torso are impressive, especially when he's a little bit snug. Apologize later. I got to tell you, I, I predict that Shinsuke Nakamura will win the WWE title this Sunday from AJ Styles at Money in the Bank. That will keep this rivalry ongoing with a different perspective in that AJ would then be obviously chasing Nakamura to regain the title. I think that role, the underdog role and chasing, uh, is perfect for AJ. He's the best in the world. And I think the low blow scenario used by Nakamura, not only against Jeff Hardy, but multiple times against uh, uh, AJ Styles, will be a vital part of Sunday's uh, last man standing uh, WWE title match at the pay-per-view. But I do think Nakamura leaves the event as a champ. A little history being made there. Again in Chicago, I was talking to uh, somebody the other day about my call with Magnum TA in 1989. I think it's maybe February, early in the year when uh, Ric Flair lost the NWA title to Ricky Steamboat in Chicago. One of the best matches I've ever seen, and I'm very honored to be a part of that. Two great guys, three great guys, include Magnum, and I do, by the way. Uh, I was impressed by seeing the array of female talents that uh, WWE has on. SmackDown Live, man, these women have never been more utilized and featured in the history of pro wrestling, period. It's amazing, by the way, he says with a little bit of honoriness, how the knee-jerk reactions of some fans over no females being allowed to be booked in Saudi Arabia. Where'd that fire go? Somebody must have put it out. It's just it was much to do about nothing, in my opinion, and I am a major equality guy. But uh, you got over it. And as King says, one can't grieve forever.
I'm getting pumped up, folks, about our tour to uh, England, Scotland, and Ireland, promoted by my friends at Inside the Ropes. Uh, the uh, quite the raconteur, Kenny McIntosh, his great crew, uh, going to host good old JR over there uh, coming up very soon. And tickets are getting scarce. They tell me uh, you can still get tickets for most of the events, uh, not all, and not all categories. So. The way I'm going to leave that with you is if you're interested in seeing me and the Q&As, and uh, we'll have the Sovereign Rocker hardcover books there for purchase and for me to sign for you, uh, just go to insidetheropes.co.uk. That easy. Insidetheropes.co.uk, and that's your medicine for that. And speaking of Sovereign Rocker, remember that I'm so proud of how it's still selling. You know, a lot of people are just now discovering it. It's amazing. You'd think with all the social media and all the stuff going on, everybody's not a prisoner of social media like some of us are. But it's doing well at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. Slobberknocker. Number one for a year and a half. Getting where I kind of like it. I don't think I've had any danger of breaking Bruno's record in nine years, but uh, I'll take that year and a half with a lot of pride and thanks to you all. Hearing good reviews on Court Bowers MLW Wrestling that airs Friday nights on BN Sports USA National Cable. Uh, my old friend Tony Schiavone, uh, uh, Rich Macini, the good, good broadcast team, good as you're going to find, frankly. Uh, you can catch this new brand of pro wrestling on uh, MLW's YouTube channel as well. And for all the info on this promotion, folks, uh, they're new, they got a fresh style. They got some real good, hungry, young, athletic talents that work that like to work snug. It seems to me like I like that. Don't be dangerous; just be snug. Uh, you can visit mlw.com for all the information you need on their upcoming events. Uh, for in Orlando on July 12th, for example, the Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York, on July 19th, mlw.com will take care of you right there. And and good luck, fellas. Court Bauer's got doing a good job with his team. He's got he's surrounding himself with a lot of good people. Sir Alex Greenfield. One of my favorite writers of all time. Well, CM Punk can't talk this, uh, do the show without talking a little bit about what happened at USC 225. I got some personal opinions on that, but hey, the guy lost a unanimous decision. He went three rounds against Mike Jackson. Uh, I don't know how much Jackson uh, celebrated himself there. How much he didn't impress Dana White, that's for sure. And it looks like that, uh, according to what White has said, that this is likely CM Punk's last uh, uh, USC fight. Uh, I hope Dana's right. I hope that's an accurate prediction. Hey, look, I love CM Punk's willingness to try something new, boldly try something new, to compete on an entirely different canvas. But let's be honest. At his age and skill set, I hope that Phil Brooks looks elsewhere for another new challenge. I do not see Punk ever, ever being full-time for any wrestling company again. See what I did there? A little Chris Jericho thing. Uh, at this stage of his life and his most recent experiences in the pro wrestling biz, uh, plus the fact that, you know, he's not a, in a, in a cash-strapped situation. He's got nothing left to prove. He doesn't owe the wrestling fans anything. He's given it all to you. What more do you want? How many more years? So, uh, He's got a lot of marketable skills, does Phil Brooks. I think he'd be a great broadcaster in many areas. He's got a lot of interest. Uh, but CM Punk is, as Gordon Soley used to describe, Cowboy Bill Watts in Florida Championship Wrestling, when Gordon would say, 
Well, the uh, big cowboy is a strange enigma that many simply do not understand. Uh-uh. Well, I haven't seen the much ballyhooed New Japan uh, Dominion show, but I read enough about it and talked to a lot of folks, including Don Callis here today, who were involved uh, to know that the event was extraordinary in every sense of the word. Now, Josh Barnett and I will be voicing these matches over for Access TV in a few days, as a matter of fact, for airing on Friday nights at 8, 7 Central. Uh, I purposely have not watched them, one frame of it, to so I don't precondition myself for our call. I don't want to... I want to I want to make it as organic as organic as I can in that environment of doing voiceovers, and I'm happy to say that arguably the hottest wrestler in the world, the new IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, will be our guest on this broadcast in a couple of weeks. So, and we'll talk to Don Callis more about Kenny Omega because hey, they go back a long way uh, a little bit later in the program. He and Kevin Kelly did a great job of uh, their end of the broadcast for uh, New Japan Global. Uh, digital service good job good guys uh the only thing i would say regarding the the osaka show and again i haven't seen it is that there could be a question as to having too many uh title changes because generally the last title change is the one that quote unquote sticks and the, the ones that were held earlier in the card sometimes are a little bit they fade a little bit in their in their impact that's all i'm saying Ring of Honor has uh, booked a hell of a card for their best in the world pay-per-view that uh, you can all enjoy on the Fight, F-I-T-E app. Fight like you mean it, just as I will. Good show. I like Ring of Honor. I like the product. Another good announced team there. Uh, Ian, Ian does, Rick Boney does a great job. And and I like uh, Colt Cabana. There's nothing wrong with those. They're good. So uh, check those guys out. And by the way, uh, I've read where uh, Ring of Honor has a Madison Square Garden date uh, holding holding the date for the big the big room now, not the Felt Forum, but the big room uh, in 2019. My guess is because so many events are going on at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn that uh, the Garden maybe felt a little bit left out. I don't know, and I'd almost bet you a slab of ribs that. Ring of Honor runs the Garden during WrestleMania week. Seems like it makes logical sense, marketing-wise, promotional-wise. But again, I'm just speculating. Have no, have no inside info. That'd be interesting, quite frankly. Who'd have thunk that, right? Uh, good luck to my many friends at Fox Sports, especially Senior VP Jacob Bowman, my good buddy, uh, on the Fox's presentation of the World Cup. What I, I will watch some of that, no doubt. But God Almighty. How bad is it that the U.S. team, they're so inept that didn't even qualify for the biggest sporting event in the world? Now, I don't know who manages all that stuff, but something's got to change, man. At least qualify for the tournament. Jeez. No excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Well, we had a breakout of measles. No, you didn't. Good luck on another broadcast season for Lucha Underground. That's Creatively led by my buddy, uh, Krista Joseph, former WWE colleague, also known as Big Dick Johnson, for you trivia bus. And uh, check out the L Ray Network Wednesday nights at uh, 8, 7 Central. Matt Stryker and Vampiro are that broadcast team. They also do a good job. They're, they're, they're like, it's like Ian and Colt for Ring of Honor. They fit their brand. Uh, it's like uh, uh, 
Kevin Kelly and Don Callis fits the New Japan brand on the English-speaking side, obviously. And Matt Stryker and Vampiro are the perfect fit for uh, this brand, and I really enjoy their work. One point on all pro wrestling announcing. Uh, and this is an industry-wide issue, in my, in my opinion. Color commentators need to watch their damn monitors and sense, instinctively sense, when a near-fall situation is imminent. And do not talk over them, through them, shut the hell up, or document what you're seeing. It's not about you finishing your thought and getting in, getting into documenting the, the near fall uh, a count or two late. They don't, that, that don't count. That don't work. That's not good broadcasting. So here's an example of what I'm saying. You're doing an NFL game as a broadcaster, and the football is thrown into the end zone, and none of the broadcasters sell it. Here you go for a touchdown. The ball's thrown in the end zone. And you're talking over something else, talking about something else, talking over it. And, and please, the other thing is, I'm begging you, refrain from these exclamations of, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you hear that? No, I can't see and I can't hear. God, that's old. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I've done that a zillion times. And then when I hear my old work and I hear, my, hear me do that, I want to go slap myself. Sometimes I do. That's a comical scene as well. Announcer banter needs to enhance the talents in the ring and not to get the announcers, quote-unquote, over with their faux-sounding, non-organic rhetoric. It's like being low-paid news anchors in a small market. The best part of their broadcast is when they have to fend for themselves and not strictly read off the prompter. That gets comical and entertaining. Here's the thing. Pro wrestling is best when it is reality-based, and the announcers tell the stories in a believable, non-eye-rolling manner. You with me? And that's what's on my mind. Hey, before we get to Slobberknocker of the Week, I want to remind you folks uh, that www.shop.com has all the JR's products, sauces, mustard, ketchup, beef jerky, seasoning, and uh, they've been running some really good offers. I know this week there was some, and they may still be on. I'm not sure when you're hearing this, but uh, they've had a 30% off uh, sale of, of those products here just in time for the really the heart of grilling season upon us. So uh, check that out, www.shop.com. Uh, great customer service, order fulfillment, and they'll get it shipped neatly and safely right to your house. So it's a good thing. Slaver Knocker of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a lot of nominees this week. Uh, I'll bust through them here. You know, all first of all, uh, all the dads out there, uh, they they're 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 always slobber knockers. Uh, a good parent is priceless, and uh, I want to uh, salute to the dads that will be celebrating on Sunday. Uh, great, they could be great role models. You got a great opportunity to change lives as a dad. I really believe that. So, uh, happy Father's Day to all, and. Uh, I'm going to be headed to L.A. on Father's Day to do some work for Access TV, and uh, which I do enjoy. And I'm going to celebrate uh, Father's Day on Saturday with a little cookout at my house, a little pool time with my uh, two daughters and their and their family. So uh, that'll be good. We'll have, we'll have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm trying to make up some lost time of after 40 years in the wrestling business. Uh, another nominee was 
slobber knocker of the week would be New Japan Pro Wrestling for producing a tremendously successful broadcast uh, in Osaka at their Dominion show. And as I mentioned, I haven't watched it yet because I want to. I don't want to play my hand. I want to see it and feel it, and then give you that. Uh, so that's. But they did a hell of a job, and we're getting all we're getting excited about their big event coming to the Cow Palace on July the seventh. That'll be seen live on Access TV. Uh, Kenny Omega got to be in the running. You know, we'll have him here on the show in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he's had, he's having an amazing year. He beat Babe Ruth, man. He beat Kazuchika Okada, the hottest champion, IWGP heavyweight champion, arguably in the history of the company. The great title defenses. Man, I'm so blessed that I was at, with Access TV during this whole metamorphosis of Okada. He's a good dude. And we always have fun with him after our shows when he comes to the States. Uh, with social hour, we we have some very happy hours, no doubt about that. So, uh, but Kenny's in the hunt there, man, for this reward. Uh, but Ronda Rousey, she's had a pretty good week, man. She she got it announced that she's going to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, first woman ever. Uh, she's on her first singles main event ever in wrestling this Sunday at uh, Money in the Bank. I think she'll kick ass. I think she'll have a, a real good impact with uh, Nia Jack. Well, these two women have a lot to prove in the standpoint that they have both have their share of critics who believe as, as a fan and you have a, a social media account that you're okay to judge somebody getting a match too soon or too late or too whatever. Have an opinion, but don't prophesize it like it was the law. Uh, I don't have any problem with this booking. I, quite frankly, uh, I am going to uh, I'm going to look forward to this match Sunday as much as anything on the card by far. Now, I'm not only interested in it, but there are other matches too that I'm, I'm jacked about. But this one really has my attention. And I know these women will do great. And uh, it's going to be interesting too. It's pretty, it puts the MMA fan at a dilemma. Of course, they're not going to watch anyway because it's wrestling. But, uh, you know, the MMA fans buy pay-per-views like they did last week to see CM Punk get killed. They'll do the same thing when Lesnar comes back, and he will. Uh, the Slavin Rock of the Week Award, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, uh, is easy choice for me. really is. Seriously. Uh, this week marks the third anniversary uh, when we lost the American Dream Dusty Rhodes at the age of 69. Gosh, it's just, it seems like just a... I was in Asheville, North Carolina, doing some volunteer work for Edwin Cherries with Ingalls Foods and Headlock on Hunger and Bill Murdoch and all those great people in Asheville. I'm going back there in July, by the way, uh, to volunteer. I believe in giving back. But I was at his office when the phone call came from the WWE saying, you know, they knew Dustin and I are close. And I hate to tell you, you know, the dream died. Man, I was, it killed me. It's like John Wayne died. You know, the fact that Dusty passed on the same date, not, day, not the same uh, year, same calendar day as John Wayne was more than more than ironic to me. I think it was meant to be, but we had a special bond, Big Dust and I, and it was really connected by the Red River, just like our home states of Oklahoma and Texas. Now, if he were here, he'd say, "You mean like you mean baby like the home states of Texas and then Oklahoma?" Well, the Red River rivalry college football game between Oklahoma and Texas is played on the second Saturday of October every year at the Old Cotton Bowl in Dallas, right? It's halfway between the two schools, Norman and Austin. So Dusty's birthday 
was October the 11th. And my wife, Jan, and I had our anniversary on October the 12th. So the game fell in that whole time frame much more often than not, forever. And they just that was it. So our weekly phone calls during game week of OU Texas, not Texas, though. Okay, okay, Dust, here's for you in, in heaven. Uh, our phone calls during the game week, that's the Texas OU game. There you go, Dream, if you will. Uh, they were a hell of a lot more entertaining than a lot of the, all the wrestling that he and I had been involved in in our lifetimes. So I'll tell you that. And nobody talked trash better, better OU trash, than the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. He was classic. I loved it. So, uh, and somehow in all those conversations, every time he would, uh, get me on the phone, uh, he always got around to rubbing it in about the $100 that he won from me playing horse and promoter Jimmy Crockett's Charlotte driveway at three in the morning, drunker than Hooter Brown. All I'll say is I told him this, you're just a better drunk basketball player than I am. That's all. If I was sober, I'd kick your ass in horse. This ain't half court now. This is horse. Easy. Old man stuff. Uh, and I'll tell you this. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, if you're ever around to it and go to and Google uh, Jim Ross Hall of Fame speech, the Hall of Fame video, Dusty's comments on that uh, still brings tears to my eyes and laughter. Uh, I love working with him. Uh, he, he, he and I felt the same about the business by and large. When he had a story to get over and somebody couldn't understand it, and he told me the story, for some reason it was just clears clears a bell. So I miss my friend Virgil Riley Reynolds, Austin Reagan High School, the son of a plumber. Dusty Rhodes is the slobber knocker of the week. Moving right along here this week. Hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you very much for joining us for. Subscribing for free at Apple Podcast to our great program that we so wonderfully bring you every week, thanks to the skills of the mighty Westwood One, producer Ted, and all the cast of thousands involved in making this show. I just feel like one of the little little munchkins at Wizard of Oz, just one of many, one of those, one of those voices. Uh, Pet Coon Goofy Award. Well, God Almighty. There's a lot of people have been to eat up with a dumbass this week. Let me tell you. Uh, first of all, the some people have become too obsessed with what uh, WWE broadcaster Corey Gray's had to say on Twitter about CM Punk uh, last week on the heels of Punk going three rounds but losing his decision at uh, USC 225. Now here's you know here's the deal in the wrestling world that we live in today, folks. More often than not, it seems, if someone disagrees with another's take, then the manure simply hits the fan. Sound to me like Graves was expressing himself regarding an apparent personal friendship with CM Punk that went wrong, that went away, that ceased to exist, whatever word you want to use. Now, I will say this, the timing of the talented Graves' tweets might have been a little uh, imperfect. Uh, and but I understand uh, having friends friends in your wor- your view that uh, you know push you aside or didn't need you anymore. Maybe they just want to make a change. Maybe uh, there'll be another time for reconciliation and friendship. Why not? But the bottom line of it is is that uh, the timing of the tweets might not have been perfect. But as the king always says, 
the Jerry the King Lawler, so I'm talking about. There's only one king. J.R., one can't grieve forever. Another nominee for the Pet Coon Goofy Award has to be NFL Hall of Fame inductee wide receiver Terrell Owens, who now says he will not attend the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Canton, Ohio this summer. Uh, now, let's get this straight here. He's finally in the Hall. Deserving. He's a hell of a player. An underdog. Came from small school, rough upbringing, raised by his grandmother. Uh, but he's also the same dude that cried on national TV in defense of his then Dallas Cowboy quarterback, Tony Romo, by saying, he's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Jeez. Uh, you to hold yourself, pal. Now, here's the thing. In all seriousness here, changing gears. Based on the amazing documentary that Showtime did on my friend Mauro Ornello's bipolar battle, it seems to me like maybe, and I ain't Dr. Phil here, or even Dr. JR, I, I could play that on television. The dude's got some lingering issues, and it seems he needs some help. It seems like he's kind of crying out for help. How could anyone who's played the game all their life and overachieved to a large part all their life earn an NFL Hall of Fame uh, distinction, not attend the induction ceremony. Now, you can easily say, yeah, I get this. You can easily say, well, he may have an issue with crowds or he may have some, you know, he may have some sort of mental illness that doesn't allow him to maybe panic attacks are, 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 are prevalent. I don't know. And I'm admitting I don't know. But it feels like a cry for help to me. Hopefully, T.O. will reconsider, get some help, Get a support system, because I would love to hear his Hall of Fame speech, especially if he brings up my quarterback. Sticking with football and Pet Coon Goofy Awards, what about Julian Edelman? Very talented, undersized, overachieving little receiver. Found a home there in New England. Slot receiver, playmaker. So he misses all of 2017 with a knee injury, right? Now, again, he's in the right system for his skill set. Lucky guy. It's a big-time program. Super Bowls, Super Bowl games for uh, Belichick's team. But then on the first day of OTAs, uh, he gets busted for a performance-enhancing substance that they still can't identify. I don't know what the hell's going on, but I know this. That is unprofessional conduct. Julian, oh, Julian, let his team down. He let his fans down and his family. And so my question is, is Julian Edelman the kind of guy that the decision makers in New England want in their locker room? I don't know the answer to that. Now, this is not an exclusive Julian Edelman issue, but athletes and performers who cannot pee clean, pee pee clean, urinate clean, need to see what life can be like on the proverbial outside. Ain't so much fun. Well, this is a good one. Pet Coon Goofy. I damn near pulled the trigger on this one here. IHOP. I-H-O-P is now known as I-H-O-B with a B standing for burgers. So here's what I ascertained in this deal, folks. In my typical consumed by wrestling mentality, this has started a social media war involving other big-name burger companies like Wendy's, which you know, Cornette's favorite. God dang, I love triple cheese, triple mayonnaise, triple onions, triple meat. 
Corny loves Wendy's. You know they're not frozen, by the way. Burger King, that's not Jerry Lawler's favorite. No, sir. Whataburger, that is my favorite. And many others are in this uh, foray. So here's what I deducted, folks. I assume that we can now proclaim that the Attitude Era has hit the burger world. And finally, I'm sure you're glad to hear, the winner of this week's Pet Coon Goofy Award are the various news media who cover politics. And they focused on a crying and emotional former NBA player, Dennis Rodman, the worm, who, by the way, once upon a time was an outstanding basketball player at Southeastern State University in Durant, Oklahoma. And I, Jim Ross, called a college basketball game in Durant that the worm played in. And uh, But here's the thing. Some people are trying to get clicks or get ratings or whatever it may be that the Dennis Rodman actually has a significant role in uh, the just-completed meeting between President Donald Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Hmm. So what you're saying is, is that we've kind of we've got to this level here, folks. We've got old Kim over there, who we're going to talk to in Singapore. We send Trump and Dennis Rodman. It's kind of how it's been positioned. So the statesman representing the United States in this very, very important meeting is one, a member of the WWE Hall of Fame, and one, a former member of the NWO. The political media is no more honorable, folks, than a celebrity news program. Many folks outside the USA must think, and I'm telling you, I get this all the time when I travel, that we are all mildly to severely insane in this country as it relates to our politics. So here's the bottom line. If the worm is the true link, a missing link, Dewey Robertson reference, between the USA and North Korea, then my Oklahoma ass is going to build a storm shelter. We're now on one of my favorite topics of this program. That is this week in wrestling. And starting out with uh, June 13th, 1993, 25 years ago. God, mighty words of time, though. King of the Ring, pay-per-view, Dayton, Ohio. Bret Hart wins the King of the Ring, has his angle with Jerry Lawler. Hulk Hogan loses the WWE title to Yokozuna. It was a, an interesting show. My first time in Dayton, I think, for an event for me. But what I remember about it mostly is uh, how challenging it was to get through the broadcast because I was producing my pal Bruce Pritchard, who was in my ears, they say. And I think that somewhere during the process, it became sort of a corporate rib on me based on how i was overproduced because it was definitely amateur hour and bruce was just too damn skilled to be that insufficient all on his own it was tough and i think guys had a lot of fun at my expense in any event that's what i remember of that 25 years ago a lot of great stuff happened in the ring but most prominently for me was that uh my producer my pal my friend Bruce Pritchard, ace, ace uh, podcaster, uh, entertainer, with his pal Conrad. Oh, I love God Almighty! His chicks are so sexy, Connie. Oh, Connie, what I could do to you! Uh, but uh, I think it was, the rib was on. I, th- I think the fix was in, and I was the object of the butt of the jokes. Uh, and and if you're going to work in wrestling, at some point in time, you will be the butt of a joke. That's all I say. It's going to happen every time. 
Uh, 24 years ago, again at the King of the Ring in Baltimore, 1994, June 19th, to be exact, uh, I vividly remember watching this uh, event with my wife, Jan. I think we're in Atlanta. Pretty sure we were in Atlanta. And uh, I was on my one of my well-documented sabbaticals from WWE. And uh, luckily for me, uh, the broadcast team that night was uh, the great Gorilla Monsoon, the irrepressible and unpredictable macho man Randy Savage, and NFL Hall of Famer and former Baltimore coach Art Donovan, who Gorilla uh, called, when he introduced him, Art O'Donnell which I thought was funnier than hell. Uh, you could tell by Savage's face. If you go back and look at that on camera, look at the consternation on Savage's face. He was, uh, he was not happy. But quite frankly, when was he happy? Uh, but Art Donovan was, had been making the rounds in all the late-night talk shows, funny guy telling the stories in a six- or eight-minute segment. But come out and do a wrestling match uh, that he had never done before. It was a little bit more challenging, quite frankly. But the performance was so abysmal that my phone rang i think a day later maybe two and i was brought back to fill in for vince uh during his federal court uh, business on monday night raw so uh thanks art and god bless you rest in peace i'm glad you got your your 15 minutes of wrestling fame because you got my job back uh 11 years ago another june 17 2007 in impact tna impact Kurt Angle wins the King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary. That was held in Nashville. And here's the thing. In one, in that main event, was Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, Christian, A.J. Styles, and Chris Harris. Now, with a roster dotted with stars such as this, it begs the question, how in the hell did TNA screw that up? That's been asked about... Uh, this company many times before and one can only hope that don Callis, who's i'll be talking to soon uh and run the creator there now will be able to kick out of this shadow that, uh, that overcomes uh, that brand they had some great opportunities and i it seems like they may have had too many cooks in the kitchen don't know maybe the cooks that were buying the groceries couldn't cook the meals i don't have a clue because i wasn't there uh, i had a chance to go i was almost there one time uh, but couldn't work out a deal. But I enjoyed meeting Bob Carter and his wife. Uh, and I like Dixie, Dixie Carter. No issues. It's just, you know, everybody's got a different form of management. If I can't, if my ass is on the line to win or lose, and I can't have no, no say over the players or the plays we run or the games we play, then how how, how can I win? You can't. Uh, but the bottom line is, hopefully Impact is in a better place now. I, I know they are. And uh, I hope that they are successful. We'll talk about to Don about that uh, coming up in a few. And then nine years ago, the talented Austin Aries defeated Tyler Black, who's now known as Seth Rollins, and the highly skilled Jerry Lynn, one of the really underrated guys in the business, in a three-way elimination match in New York City at Manhattan Mayhem. And there, uh, Austin Aries won the Ring of Honor title. And uh, really, that was a, a strong match. I thought I remember that match, but why wouldn't it be good? All those guys that are in it can can get it can get the job done. Uh, and by the way, Ring of Honor will be presenting again their pay per view on June 29th, entitled "Best in the World." And catch on the Fight app because that's how I'll be watching it. Going to birthdays, I kind of this is a sleeper uh, thing, you know. I said, well, let's try birthdays. Our team liked it, and 
and we do a little research and find out whose birthday it is. And uh, happy birthday to this week to President George H.W. Bush, 90, had his 94th birthday. God bless him. By the way, President Bush's uh, tie to wrestling was he was the great Wahoo McDaniels youth baseball coach in Midland, Texas. I think Wahoo played catcher. He might have pitched, but he was a star. And George H.W. Bush, long before the presidency, was the baseball coach in Midland's uh, outstanding youth baseball team. Uh, Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie, 58 years old. He's still a young guy. Jacques Rougeau, talented dude. And his brother Raymond's one of my favorite people. Raymond is a good, great job. Good man. Uh, on uh, the 14th, WWE Hall of Famer and the President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, with his Stone Cold Steve Austin cap, will be 72. Uh, WWE's Bailey turns 29 on Friday, one of the most uh, underrated performers, in my view, on the WWE roster. And uh, she should be in every conversation of the top women in that company. I like the fact, here's how good it's getting there for the females. Now there's becoming a, a real, hey, we're all together. It's a women's movement, and hey, we're doing something great. And you are. All those things are true. But now uh, some of the newness is kind of wearing off, and now we're getting that real competition that the men have suffered through with their fragile egos for decades in every company. So uh, don't sleep on Bailey. She's a, she's a dandy. I like her. 29 years old. Just getting there. I gave of those 170 silk ties I gave the Salvation Army a couple weeks ago. I guarantee you, some of them are older than 29 years. The uh, WWE Hall of Famer, the Ultimate Warrior, would have been 59 this week. Uh, best of his family. Well, he's a handful. Whew, man. Also, EC, ECW Sandman, 55 uh, years old. And. That's funny. Follow the Warriors' personality with the Sandman. Both unique guys, strong dudes in that regard. And of course, our wonderful little producer and my primary caregiver on the road. He'll be with me in our on our between the ropes uh, shows in UK and Scotland and Ireland. Good old Raphael Morphy. He's just a baby at forty-seven years of age, and I know he gets upset when he suggests I promote the New York Yankees. But Raphael, I'm not a Yankee mark. I'm sorry. When Mickey Mantle was there, I was. But I encourage your fandom, and I appreciate your work you do for us. Seriously. The late Bruiser Brody would have been 72. He was murdered in Puerto Rico, and his assailant was never brought to justice in a system that stunk. It was rigged so much. Embarrassing. How the hell can that judicial system be affiliated with the United States? Or maybe I just answered my own question. Larry the Axe Henning, one of my favorites in the whole world, wrestling, 82 years young. Larry, as I called him one time at a banquet, he is the Secretariat of Wrestling Dads. Larry the Axe Henning is, of course, the father of the my fellow 2007 Hall of Famer, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, and the grandfather of Curtis Axel, uh, of the soon-to-be-famous, by the way, B-Team duo in WWE. Uh, love, love, love Larry. Larry's still got the great sense of humor. He's just, you can see where Kirk got his uh, timing and comedic timing. Great sense of humor. Love Larry. And finally, uh, former Oklahoma Sooner, the late Edward Wahoo McDaniel would have been 80 years old. And uh, Wahoo, by the way, had a 91 yard punt.
for my Sooners in 1958 against Iowa State. Of course, uh, the Chief played uh, linebacker in the NFL and for OU, and he punted, and uh, he was a classic man. I remember telling him one time I was really wore out. It's like on a Monday. We're getting ready to do a bunch of TV two days in a row or something, four hours a day or whatever. And I'm bitching about, you know, I'm tired and i got to multitask. So he gave me a pill. This is a healthy kid. He liked me. Oklahoma guy, right? Oklahoma Brotherhood. Native Americans, both of us, Native Americans. And I went, I finally, after I, I cussed him for like four days, because I think I finally went to sleep on Thursday. Seriously. It was the most powerful hit of speed I'd ever had in my life. I never, ever want to experience it again. And then another time, we're leaving Asheville to go to the airport to fly to Atlanta to make TV in Atlanta that night. Now, a big event the Omni. Rick Flair, Wahoo McDaniel, and me. And Wahoo's driving, which is a big, big mistake on our part. Uh, I said my, uh, I said prayers all the way to the airport. He parked the car in front of where they you, you stack the uh, uh, four wheelers, the little uh, whisk, luggage carts. We parked the car on the sidewalk of the entranceway of the Asheville Airport, and he threw the keys to some poor poor guy. And there we went. That's when he didn't have to go through TSA. He just went straight to the gate. So that was Wahoo. He was he was he was a one of the original outlaws, man. But what a what a man's man. He was a he was a great dude, great dude. Loved to play golf. Preston Trails Golf Course. He played with Lee Trevino and somebody else regularly, and I don't think the Chief did real well in those bets. But nonetheless, those are happy birthdays. So happy birthday, everybody! Look at this. Well, it's mailbag time, kids. And uh, before we get started with that, I want to remind you again: I'll be in. Uh, Scotland, England, uh, Ireland, Ireland. Great trip coming up for uh, uh, Inside the Ropes. And uh, Kenny's, Kenny McIntosh's team has tickets and information for you at insidetheropes.co.uk. Love to see you there. Autographs, Q&As, uh, and I'll have the copy of the Sovereign Ocker as well. So uh, join us if you can. InsideTheRoast.co.uk has all your information. And, of course, we're going to be in coming. Uh, speaking of England, uh, I got invited to be a part of the London Film and Comic Con uh, in London on Friday, July 27th through Sunday, July 29th, uh, about a month or so away at the Olympic Exhi- Exhibition Center in London. Uh, we'll be talking more about that in the upcoming weeks as well. But you can go online and, and check out the London Film and Comic Con and how you can uh, – make plans to see me and I can meet you and take pictures and sign things and, and have a good chat. So uh, there's that. And I mentioned earlier about Thursday, August 16th, Zanies in Nashville and Thursday, August 23rd at Zanies in Rosemont in Chicagoland, uh, the JR and the King show live tickets at zanies.com. All the information you need is right there. And the mailbag is uh, not brought to you by anybody. I need to sponsor this damn thing. I'll sponsor myself. This week, the mailbag is brought to you by me, JR. Where I encourage you to email me, JR, to the, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com with your questions, just like Sean Cargill did. Uh, hope all is well, JR and producers. See, producer Ted and Raphael, they're getting over. They'll have shirts sooner than later. They'll have groupies. They'll have busted up marriages. It'll be sad and wonderful all at the same time. Uh, this guy grew up, uh, Sean grew up watching us uh, on Mid South uh, here in central Oklahoma, he says, with his dad. It's great. Good memories. I'm still a big, huge fan of Dr. Destiny Williams. What is your favorite memory story uh, or with him? 
and he says he loves the new show. We appreciate that. Well, Sean, I can. There's several things I could talk about, Doc. But one time he's working with Brad Armstrong on Mid South TV. Armstrong goes to throw an elbow. Doc's supposed to duck. Doc's not real good at ducking at that point in his career. And he got caught above the eye. It was 107 stitches, legit. Uh, that was on a Wednesday, and then on Thursday they had to go from Shreveport to Biloxi. And Doc said to Cowboy, "Who are you going to replace me with in Biloxi?" And Bill said, what the hell are you talking about? You're booked. And Doc's eye was all swell shut, 107, six or seven stitches, seriously. And he made the town, boo-boo face and all. But when he came back to TV a week and a half, a week later, where it was, he was he walked in like, you know, a little swagger because he proved again he might have been the baddest man in the history of the business. Doc's missed. I follow his son, Wyndham Williams, on Facebook just so I can see little bit of doc's face in this kid he's just he's a young doc you know good kid good kid uh michael brandon is from the hot ass state of texas he says uh i know you don't like to speculate oh well though for you michael Uh, i'd like your thoughts on if the undertaker will remain with the company wwe once he is finished wrestling i can't imagine why he would not because he's got this great legacy, he's famous, great name identity, reliable, great ambassador to the company and the business in general. The only reason he wouldn't want to do it is if he just didn't want to travel at all. And I'm sure as his children, his young children start getting older and in more school activities, that he and Michelle McCool, his wife, will be wanting to uh, support that as much as they can. So, But I do think he'll always be affiliated with WWE in some shape, form, or fashion. I hope so anyway. This is from Monty in the UK. Joe, hope you're well. Uh, would you ever imagine the WWE owning a big arena with a built-in fiscal hall of fame uh, and maybe run a pay-per-view or two there a year? I don't know that they would do that, in my view, uh, Monty. Full Monty, I guess. Uh, but I would say that a fiscal hall of fame someday, to me, seems uh, feasible. I think that could happen. And I've always thought it would be great in Orlando. Uh, Jim, the English teacher, sent a drawing of me as well. I think you're drunk. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, uh, he was listening to last week's show. He brought up the anniversary of the King of the Ring, Don Morocco winning. Yes, sir. Uh, it got me thinking, why did he never make it out of the Intercontinental title picture? Well, Don Morocco was a big star in a lot of territories, main event guy. If you're asking why he wasn't made the champion, could have been a lot of things. Could have been... He might not have won the obligation. Uh, the promoters might not have wanted to trust the men. They didn't trust him fully with that title. Hell, I don't know. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't suffer from main events. But why guys that are that good weren't champions, there's always something that the decision maker of that entity sees that doesn't quite fit. I don't know what it was. Uh, the Magnificent Morocco is a great promo, looked like a heel, looked like a great star, and he was. So... But uh, in any event, I appreciate the drawing, quite frankly. And uh, also, uh, we hope that uh, you keep listening to our show. Uh, Dustin Brown says, hey, JR, I really enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much, Dustin. And uh, I would like to know why nobody seems to be talking about how Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Blackheart, is having arguably the best heel run in a couple of decades. Well, I don't know about in 20 years? I don't, I'm not sure. I, hey, it could be. And if that's your opinion, Dustin, then so be it. No problem here. He's a hell of a kid. 
and so is Gargano. And they'll kill it on uh, Saturday night in, in uh, Chicago at the uh, TakeOver. It should be great. It can't be followed by that roster. So, uh, But I don't know. Uh, maybe the uh, fact that maybe everybody doesn't uh, get uh, the WWE Network, which is a mistake. 995 or 999 and you get everything? Kidding? So in any event, thanks to Dustin for the for the uh, for the question at uh, the Jim Ross report at gmail dot com. Steve Bonds and Baton Rouge. I've been a fan for over twenty years. I just discovered the podcast. What? Since the relaunch, and sure is good to hear your voice again. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, my question is: If given the opportunity, would you do commentary for the new XFL? Well, hell yeah! It's a ball game, right? I'm a broadcaster, right? At least I think I am. I love football, but it ain't going to happen. They're going to go young. It's a young man's business. I get it. And I'm not a young man. So, But if given the opportunity, I'd jump at it. It'd be a lot of damn fun. And finally, ladies and gents, uh, this is from uh, England, James Simcox. Uh, going to see us in Birmingham. Great. Hey, Birmingham, Birmingham still got some VIP tickets left, too, for our show there in Birmingham. Uh, I'm glad I'm going to see you there, James. You're, James is wondering, and, and basically I'll paraphrase this, do I think WWE will have another major pay-per-view event in the U.K. at some point? And he used the uh, Saudi Arabia uh, example as a, what it, you know, as, as a comparison. I can't say that they will not because I'm not in that loop, which you know. However, I think it's damn near uh, – uh, you know, it's damn near. It's going to happen. Don't know when. To me, it's going to happen. It's just too logical. So uh, bear with us, everybody. You know, I'm sure I'll get that question when I go to to the UK uh, here in a week or so. So, uh, but I think it'll happen sometime. I think it's inevitable, without a doubt. And thanks, James. I'll see you in Birmingham. <laughs> You know, in eastern Oklahoma, they use the term ubiquitous to talk about chicken litter because there's so many broiler houses where I grew up, and it makes great fertilizer. If any term would describe Don Callis, my guest at this time, as they say on television, it is ubiquitous because, brother, you are everywhere, and how are you enjoying this travel and this new life of yours? Uh, it's been great. I'm happy you didn't compare me to chicken litter. I'll take you big litter. That's, uh, that might actually be a good tag handle for me. But uh, no, man, I mean, it's uh, I'm busier than I've ever been, but I'm having a ball. And it's like people say, like, hey, you know, you think you should cut out one of these things? It's like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to keep grinding it, man. It ain't nothing but a thing. Absolutely keep grinding. These are opportunities that uh, in, in cluster form don't come along to people in the wrestling business, and I still consider, you know, you're you're in the wrestling business. I have no problem saying I'm in the wrestling business. Uh, but, you know, these things, these opportunities don't come along all the time. So I would say keep the damn ball in your hands and run with it. No matter what field you're playing on, you know, have some fun, have some fun here. Absolutely. Uh, to use an NFL reference, uh, I'll think of myself in that context as a bell cow back. Just keep handing me the <laughs> ball, do the Eric Dickerson, and ride me till I till I drop. There you go. There you go. I knew a girl like that once. But nonetheless, uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking here, uh, I wanted to, you and I have discussed this, but I had questions from, uh, I knew who they came from. They came from 
major New Japan pro wrestling fans that don't like Access TV's presentation because of Josh mm-hmm. Barnett and, and me. Okay, that's cool. Hey, don't watch. Uh, and uh, so they were they they wanted me to. You don't, Jr. You don't have the balls to talk to Don about uh, uh, you know the alleged issues at the first Long Beach shooting. Uh, a New Japan shows those two, uh, two days back to back. Now, little did, the, did he know that you and I have talked about this, and we did it like two professional men face to face. Yep, hundred percent. And it, uh, did, did, I know we, we can't help because you're on social media, tag you in on Twitter, whatever. Uh, at Cyrus over huge, by the way, on Twitter, uh, one of the cl- most clever clever uh, handles. I like that. Cyrus over huge. It just pisses me off to even read it. <laughs> I'm over huge. Well, you know, I'm it's like able to get heat there. You know that. Yeah, well, it's a gift, man. I used to tell Paul Heyman, you know, why you're going to be a star. This is way back in the '80s uh, when I took him off the booking committee's hands and put him on television as my partner. I said, you're going to be a huge star because you're so damn easy to dislike, and he is. <laughs> And I love him. He's a genius, man. But, you know, uh, that. so guys that have that trait, I look at it as a gift, man. That's why I look at it. So, anyway. There's not many heels uh, left in the business, JR. I know. It's a, it's a tar- hard job to, to be a real heel. We're going to talk about that momentarily. But the bottom line of this deal, and uh, look, I got great respect for you and Kevin. Uh, you know, we're not, Josh and I are not everybody's cup of tea. I can get that because we're going to go very, uh, we're told how to go by access tv yeah. you know uh yeah. those guys say we want to we want a legitimate mainstream sporting presentation as you can provide and that's what we try to do so there's not a lot of banter and you know inside jokes too much i don't think uh so but in any event we're not everybody's cup of tea that doesn't mean you don't have you don't, you don't have to hate us uh so that's anyway it was no big deal and uh, you know you, you know what jr i mean i think that you know a couple of things i would say i mean i think that it's it's not always i've always thought it's not all that fair to you and josh in the sense that the fans kind of get to hear you guys do the live show once or twice a year when 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 you when new japan comes to the states and they're kind of those fans are kind of used to me and kevin so it's like well we're used to these guys what what are you giving us something different you know and so i think that's been part of the issue and and it's you know like you say it's like different strokes for different folks i mean a lot of people don't realize, I mean, I've told you, I mean, I grew up listening to you call UWF, NWA, WWF. Um, you're by far my favorite play-by-play announcer of all time. So I have no idea why people like one thing. I mean, I just got told that I was a doofus and I shouldn't be doing commentary today on Twitter. So it's, it's different <laughs> strokes for different folks. And I think that last year, part of the issue was, you know, Kevin and I were brought in, but then we had nothing to do. So yeah. people see us sitting around catering with nothing, and they're like, well, why aren't you guys calling it? It's like... We were cool. As soon as they told me I was going to get paid to do nothing, I was happy because you know, I'm old school like that. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you you know the the drill there. If, if Tony Condello took you on one of his death tours and said that you're not booked tonight, but I'm going to pay you, you you'd look that, that that day as a holiday. Gerald, Tony Condello took day of the week and place on Sunday. <laughs> hey, Tony Condello came very close to becoming a Mid South subsidiary with the Cowboy. Did you know that? I remember that because, yeah, I did because that's how I first heard you because Tony was running Bill Watts' tapes in Winnipeg and uh, and was supposed to be bringing UWF to Winnipeg. And then 
the thing with Crockett happened, and then all of a sudden the house show became NWA, which was cool. But, yeah, that was the first time I heard you. That would have been, like, what, mid, mid-80s, I think, probably, when Tony yeah. was running those tapes. Yeah, it was. That was over thirty over thirty years ago, man. I love the way he ran, how how he booked that territory. I mean, every booker today could could learn something from from watching how how the cowboy handled that his business. I, I just really liked it. His shows had uh, symmetry. They had a, the, every segment because you know, look, you got an hour show th- those days, so you got six segments, five commercial breaks, and uh, and part of those breaks, you actually provide more content because that's where you sell your tickets that's your local interview breaks you know come to winnipeg on saturday night blah 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 so uh mm-hmm. he everything had a purpose and a reason i remember one time one of the best ass chewings i ever got was uh i didn't put over a fat sloppy uh, underneath talent uh who looked like he had just had a litter of pups and i didn't say that on the air obviously but he he was just that hideous and I didn't put him over enough on the show before he did his did the favor, did the honors. And Bill ripped my ass on that deal. You know, he said, if he's not an athlete, you can't find something to say, make it up. But he said, but we, we don't have any bums on our show unless I tell you he's a bum, and that's how you position it. So if somebody doesn't beat another somebody to some degree, it means nothing. So anyway. No. And, that, and that's a hard lesson, and it's like, uh, I remember I learned a similar one. Jericho's talked about it as well. We both learned it from Bulldog Bob Brown, who neither one of us particularly cared for from time to time. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but 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 he said, like, never bury your opponent, because I think Jericho had called Bob old on a promo. And he said, well, you can go ahead and call me old, but when I beat you, and I will be beating you, kid, you just got beat by an old man. So <laughs> right. I never forgot that lesson to always put your opponent over in some form or fashion. Because it, it, you protect him and it, and it protects yourself because you're either going to win or lose, and either way it means more. You know, uh, we talked about uh, the New Japan brand, which you're a part of. Your schedule there, how often do you make that trip, Don? It's, you know, it varies. Like March, I had four bookings, which is a lot. Three of them in Japan, one of them in L.A. Um. You know, my comfort zone is probably once a month just because now I'm so busy with impact. And while I understand the need for content, I also think there's a way to kind of keep it special. And I mean, I don't want to sound like, yeah, just bring me in for the big shows, kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once once a month works really well and it's not overexposing me, especially now I'm doing color for impact as well. Um, so... It's been more lately, and I think I think there's a desire for them. They obviously need to create as much English content as they can to expand NJPW world, and I get that. But it's kind of cool. I mean, once a month I see Kevin, and, and we just really enjoy working together, and, and it kind of keeps it special for me and for the fans, I think, to keep it to once a month. Kevin's a good guy, good family man, Florida State boy. Uh, I... I never knew exactly what went off the rails totally. I mean, he fell out of favor. I fell out of favor in WWE more than once. But I thought yep. he had uh, – I thought when he first came and as he was, uh, you know, evolving within the company that I said, heck, he's going to have a job here forever. He's good. He's young. You know, so – Well, it's, it's you know what? Those are good lessons, JR, because I tell you, I was telling some of this story the other day. When I went in there, I, I, I honestly thought I was going to have a job there for 30 years because I kind of went well. 
I can be a wrestler for a while, then I can be a manager, then I can I can be a color commentator. They had talked to me, as you know, about about writing television. I'm like, yep. I'm going to have a job here forever because I'm, I'm eclectic. And then all of a sudden, you get the phone call, and you don't see it coming, and you go, holy crap, my life is over. And, of course, it's not. You move on. But uh, I think a lot of us have had that kind of realization. It's a good lesson to learn for life, I think. It is a good lesson, Don. It is a good lesson. And... Uh... Uh, I, uh, gosh, I wouldn't trade my journey for anything. I wouldn't change it at all. Uh, quite frankly, you know, a couple of things, obviously, but, uh, normally I wouldn't, nothing is, it made me whatever, whatever I am, that journey made that, I think. So, uh, are you, are you still living in Winnipeg? I am. I am in the process of relocating to Toronto because, as you know, our, our head offices for Impact and Anthem Sports are, are in Toronto. It's just, I've been on the road so darn much that, that uh, that I haven't really had a chance to kind of finalize that, and I'm in Nashville every two weeks. So I'm once I stop running, hopefully I'll, I'll find myself some appropriate lodgings in Toronto. Well, the flights are going to be better. You know, getting out of there, trans- oh my God. Trans- transporting yourself to work is it doesn't kill you. You know, no those uh, those flights from Winnipeg with the connection in Vancouver to Tokyo are brutal. I mean, it, it's close to twenty hours, oh, and then God. of course you know you, you're not, you don't sleep. You go call a four-hour show with no intermission, and you get back on the plane and go again. It's it's rough. Yeah, that's 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 daunting to say the very least. Well, you know, it seems like your hometown though is becoming a uh, quite the uh, not that it wasn't before, but certainly a lot of global attention now in Winnipeg, considering that Kenny Omega is the IWGP Heavyweight Title. And by the way, Kenny Omega will be our guest on this broadcast in a couple of weeks, and uh, also my one of my favorites of all time, Chris Jericho, is from Winnipeg. So, uh, hey, is is Rosemary from Winnipeg as well? She is. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So that Winnipeg and, and is uh, so is the late great Roddy Piper as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, God bless you, Rod, Hot Rod, and Bob Holiday, our friend Bob Holiday. Holl- <laughs> he is a loving legend himself. Yes, <laughs> he's Bob is a battler. I got a lot of respect for Bob Holiday. He does a lot of good work in the community. Does a lot of charity work, and he's a good man. Uh, what did you tell me about? I, I haven't. I have all transparency here, and I'll tell you why. And you'll you'll know. I haven't watched any of the Dominion footage yet. I'm not going to until I call it because I don't want to precondition myself by second guessing all kinds of stuff and becoming a uh, internet wrestling nerd, which I could very easily be. Uh, so, but and I talked to you. We talked last week, I think it was, and I've read and I've listened to other podcasts about it, but I haven't seen any footage. How was the experience for you? Had you ever been a part of something that, quote-unquote, electric? You know, no. And I think that, and people have talked about it on Twitter, about my voice cracking and and me continuing to scream, hook the leg, after the three-count had already happened. And that was was not (laughs) manufactured. I legitimately was... I've been on this journey with Kenny Omega since he was a 16-year-old kid who I booked... I gave him his first break on my wrestling promotion when I had it in Winnipeg. And his uncle, the Golden Sheik, who was a, an indie wrestler in Winnipeg, helped train me in the business in 1989. So my roots with Kenny go back many years. I've been on this journey with him, and then specifically since I've been in New Japan. And, you know, we have a very close relationship. We talk about ideas. We do things. I put together the match with him and Chris uh, for the Tokyo Dome. So to see Kenny and see how hard he works and how serious he takes this business and how he wants to change the business for the positive, to see that kind of manifest itself in this huge victory. Um, it just was, 
it was just such a, I don't know, like a euphoric, great feeling. I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes in wrestling we really get shit right, and we got it right. You know, it. Uh, you sure did, from all I hear. I'll lay eyes on it soon, as soon as probably in the next few days, actually. Uh, the, uh, the, the match... He has evolved so much since the first time I've been, I've been doing access since Morrow left to go to WWE and then, uh, uh, Adam Swift and his team there at access TV, my good friend, Mark Cuban is the owner, as you know, uh, and his checks are really good. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you ain't, you ain't got to chase your money Don, my boy, or worry about him clearing the bank. I got, I work for two billionaires, so I, I feel pretty safe and secure here at 66. Okay. That's not bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad. How in the hell do you back into that kind of deal? Is another story. But uh, you know, uh, I think Kenny probably has improved as drastically and as, as positively, I mean, than anybody I can recall in recent times. Because he goes from a a charismatic, fundamentally sound junior heavyweight, but you see, he's trying to be more. And then every week he, he try he continues to try to be more, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's the man in that division, and boom, he's all now he's a heavyweight. And I like how they differentiate those junior heavyweights and the heavyweights there in that company. But man, can you speak to the fact of he he continues to apply himself? He's not comfortable in a comfort zone. You know, we all know he's a, he's a he's a tremendous athlete, world class athlete, but. Where, where Kenny has really differentiated himself is in the storytelling aspect and the psychology. And as, as we know, psychology is one of the hardest things to get down in this business. A lot of guys still don't have it today. Um, and Kenny has just become a master of telling these great stories that, that make sense. And they, they get, it's like when Bret Hart would do something in the first minute of the match that at the 20 minute mark, you'd be able to call back to it. And it was all part of his strategy and his storytelling. Kenny's like that. But with Kenny, those callbacks go back a year, a year and a half. And he's just become such a compelling guy. And he really is, in my view, I call him a revolutionary because he really is all about changing the business for the better. He's not a mark for any particular place or any particular you know, idea of a big money contract. He really wants to make his mark on the wrestling business. This is not a guy who would keep wrestling just, just because. Um, he's doing it because he wants to impact change both in wrestling, and I think he has a social message as well to put out there. So he really is unique. Uh, he, I, I compare him to Prince uh, in terms of just being told, like super skilled, but totally with a different agenda than everyone else. Yeah, good, good analogy. Good analogy. Well, I'm looking forward to calling his match on July the 7th in the historic Cow Palace when uh, New Japan comes back to the States for their live show. That'll be broadcast live on Access TV on Saturday night, June the 7th. Uh, and that nice card booked. You know, they got a, the th- top three matches are strong, and the, the undercards are going to have great work rate and all that good stuff. Uh, I think the mistake they may have made was not at least name, giving some names on the on sale uh, instead of just lending uh, on their brand name to you know to sell t- ten thousand tickets. Unlike All In, for example, those kids you knew who was going to be on the show. Names you knew the names, and all that all those ingredients are going to equate to a really splendid meal. But you didn't know what the meal was going to be in uh, the Cow Palace until you know few days ago so that's my my bitch of the day on that deal 
And as much as the wrestling business has evolved the last 20 years into one where I think wrestling companies have wanted it to become more about, more like Cirque du Soleil, where you're going to see Cirque du Soleil, not to see the guy who does the traveling right. so good. I think in my view, you still can't, you still can't do better than having big stars advertise and promoted properly if you're talking about selling tickets. Well, if you, you know, Don, quite frankly, if one is a tight ass promoter, and your brand is going to sell your tickets. That means you can you can monitor even more what you pay your talent. It's not about you. It's like Dick Buck is telling me a story one time about going to George Hallis's office and wanting to raise. And Hallis says, "Well, Dick, you know people don't pay money to come watch the defense play. They come to watch Gail <laughs> score touchdowns. Talking about Gail Sayers, right? So yep, then, yep. then Gail Sayers comes a few days, a few weeks, a couple of weeks, or whatever. Soon thereafter, asking the same thing." unbeknownst to Buckus uh, uh, agenda. So then George Hallis says to Gail Sayers, predictably, well, you know, Gail, people don't come to watch you carry the ball. They come to watch Dick Buckus play middle linebacker for the Chicago (laughs) Bears. This is Buckus' team. So Buckus and Sayers have a little, you know, have have some words, and uh, neither one of them are happy. They think they're underpaid. Sound like the boys, right? And and sometimes the boys are very right. And so – they uh, find out what Hallis told them, so they went to see him together. And together, they both negotiated raises. So, you know, sometimes it's uh, if you can keep if you can hold the talent down and not pay them, you pay them what the whatever the going rate is or less. And if and that theory. Yep. So, anyway, well, I, I, I it's an interesting it's an interesting debate, Jr. About whether you know have we seen the last of the you know the Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Rock, that guy on no. who had tons of leverage because he was the guy. And that's what's interesting to me about Kenny. Kenny is one of the few guys in the business who legitimately moves tickets. The fact that he's doing it outside a WWE environment is frankly shocking, but he's definitely doing it. So he's a guy that, you know, has leverage and will continue to have leverage if he can continue to sell tickets. I would assume, Don, and correct me if I'm wrong with my assumption, that with uh, Bring of Honor's relationship with New Japan, that it would be very difficult, one would think, for Kenny to work for you on a you know one off or whatever at impact. Is, is that somewhat accurate? Um, you know, I don't. I, I, I kind of say never say never, and I think that one of the things we've been doing under Ed Nordum here at, at Impact is breaking some existing, long-standing paradigms of pro wrestling. You know, the intellectual property piece that we've talked about before. But, but also, like, we are really working with multiple people now. And now recently announced uh, by Chris Jericho, and I know you're going to be on that cruise, so that'll be cool. Get to have a beer together. But uh, it's going to be Impact and Ring of Honor on the same cruise ship. So there's some stuff that's probably going to happen there. I don't think you can have those talents no. in an enclosed environment like that. So we are working, in a sense, if you take that, with Ring of Honor right now. We've got Taiji Ishimori coming in for our pay-per-view and our TV in July. The Bone Soldier just started with New Japan. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. How many people, JR, would have thought that Chris Jericho would have headlined the Tokyo Dome for New Japan Pro Wrestling? It's why I was sheepish when I pitched it to him, because he'd always told me, I will never work for anyone except (laughs) Vince McMahon. There's deep respect for Vince. And obviously, he took Vince into consideration. Was Vince was the first guy he told about it. But nevertheless, that shocked me that Chris was on a New Japan show. And so I, I learned to say never say never in this business. Yeah, a lot of those old, uh, those old customs, for lack of a better term, need to be 
closeted. They're, they're just out of touch. It's like some of our laws in this country, out of touch. It's like the fact that your country is going to legalize marijuana. And here in Oklahoma, we have a state bill, I think it's 422 or something, to get, to uh, uh, vote in medical marijuana, which is a, I, I'm all for. If it gets people off opiates yep. and, you know, no more Ambien's and no more Xanax and no more uh, pain pills. And some of those strains that I read about uh, are will do that. So I don't, why and, and seizures helping children with cancer? Are you kidding me? And there's a problem. There's a problem because people are hiding behind their Bibles and not using common sense. Mm-hmm. The game's changed, on. Yeah, hundred percent. I heard our friend Jesse Ventura, uh, who wrote the Marijuana Manifesto book uh, this year, talk about having a close family member who was suffering from thirty seizures or something like that per day. The drugs just made it worse. They went on a two droplets a day uh, tincture, medical marijuana application, two drops under the tongue twice a day, seizure-free for three years. That tells you something. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes we overthink things, but and many in that that world, for example, don't want to change uh, because it's not how they were raised. So how and how they were raised is always the best way. See, my way is always the best way because this is how I was raised. (laughs) This is what my mom and daddy taught me. Don't and like yep. Ernie Ladd would say, "Don't you be smoking that demon weed, junk food dog." So he liked the demon <laughs> weed too. Ernie did. I was hey, I rode with Ernie one time from Lafayette back to New Orleans, and somebody he gave somebody his keys to his big blue Lincoln that the cowboy bought him for doing a great job, and they had put a grocery sack, paper grocery sack with handles on it, full of buds. And Ernie <laughs> told me. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need that. I don't need that sticky weed. I don't know no seeds. I don't do no stems. I'm Ernie Lad. You know my feet covers the grounds I walks on. You know that kind of stuff. So it was great. <laughs> I think you and I were fortunate that we we had our eyes open and our minds open to a lot of things from being in those car rides that we wouldn't have yeah. otherwise. Yeah, was, it, you had to have that. You had to have some, some sanity in that regard. Uh, and you know, for all those years when I first started traveling with the boys in '74, I was a driver. Because I was a low man on a totem pole, and right. so I had I had to learn to steer the car with my knees while I was rolling a joint for them. The kid, hey kid, roll us a roll us, roll us a joint, kid. Hey kid, hey kid, hey kid. So uh, I learned to, to steer the car going about seventy with my knees and 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 twisting one up. And so then when it come back around, guess who got passed over every single time? Me. You can't smoke weed and drive a car, kid. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks, Dad. Uh, so, Impact has got a different feel. Uh, you've got some – I like the way that you're slowly evolving your roster. you got to have a bunch of players, Don, that you feel good about that you can, you can, t- you can emotionally invest in as a, as a creator of this product. So, I, it looks, looks like you're getting some, some uh, a roster, a, a good solid hands that seemingly are hungry and want to contribute in a big way. Yeah, and we know, I mean, we talked about it. People were panicking, oh, this person's leaving, that person's leaving. And I always said, like, you know, when, when, when Mike Zimmer came in, took over the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, some guys who were legacy performers left. He brings in some of his own guys. He brings his own assistant coaches in. I mean, that's the process we went through in January. And our roster now, if I look at my top eight with guys like Brian Cage, with guys like Eli Drake, with guys like Moose, you know, uh, and then with, with knockouts on on the roster, like Tessa Blanchard, third-generation superstar, like Sue Young, I, I'm happy with our top eight. I'll put that top eight up against Ring of Honor or anyone else. 
So, um, you know, we're one of the things you do, as you know, is you eliminate the stupid stuff that makes that pisses people off and makes them shake their head about the booking. But, um, you know, it is a process and it's not something you can, as you know, turn around overnight. you got to keep plugging away, keep doing the right things. And, and keep investing in your talent. And, and if we can do those sorts of things and, and still be a little bit creative, I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, uh, and it's not an overnight fix. Hey, that place, I was looking the other day at something. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have it. Uh, uh, some can't remember where it was. But anyway, I was looking at the roster year, a few years ago for that company. Mm-hmm. Damn, pretty damn impressive. I mean, it's like saying, Hey Jr., if you could cook, all, if you could buy the groceries and cook the meals, you think you could use this roster and make some money? Hell yeah! Now the key thing is, you know, Vince has always said, and I agree with him on this part, is that the pro wrestling business is about two things: talent and television. And mm-hmm. that's he, that's his, that's his gospel. If the t- talent roster is not right, and you don't have the right TV in place, you're you're swimming upstream, and it's not a good swim. Yep. Because we don't get help from anybody but our own media, basically. On a, and, and they would rather rant and rave and critique because they think it's cool, I guess, or they don't have the skill set to, to provide solutions. They're really, really good, Don, at identifying problems. And, hell, you can hire, you can hire people at minimum wage to do that. Well, I think you got to, and this is where with social media, you know, you got to be careful. You can, you can buy into all the stuff about, you know, how good you are, but then you start to look at some of the stuff questioning it. And you can't let either one of those things get you too high or too low. You know, you got to, you got to have your plan. The plan's been well thought out and you got to stick to it. And sometimes you got to adjust and make some changes, but, but you can't buy in too much to social media. I mean, people have knocked me for retweeting all the nice stuff people say about my New Japan commentary. I actually only do that because I figure that's the only way the Japanese office will know that I'm doing a good job because I don't think that they're getting the nuance of the English commentary because of the language issues. So other than that, I try to stay away from it or certainly try to not let it affect my decision-making. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan seem to have a nice bond. They have good chemistry. And then the, and the challenging part about this is, you know, how do you keep it fresh without overexposing them? See, I'm a big believer that if you're doing a two-hour wrestling show, I don't really need to be on your TV every week. Maybe sometimes in a VTR, a little package, a little vignette. Uh, he sent this in, yep. you know, whatever. Uh, and the reason that changed is we don't run weekly towns anymore. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to worry about it, yeah. right? So uh, it's not Winnipeg every Thursday, whatever. Mm -hmm. No, and I think, and for us, I mean, look, if you told me uh, eight months ago that Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards would be, you know, the top heel and babyface, arguably, in the promotion, I'd have laughed at you. But, you know, it it just evolved that way. I think we we found out another side of Eddie Edwards had always been kind of the white babyface uh, white white meat babyface guy, and Sammy Callahan, who you know, he just he's got something. And uh, talk about he's a guy a, he's, who, who irritates he's easy, people. Yeah, he's easy to dislike, and I mean that positively. So for me, yeah, for me, so that we don't overdo it. I mean, I, I liken it to the Raven Dreamer feud that that went on in ECW probably for four years, where they <laughs> would take a fork in the road. Tommy'd go do an angle with Sandman. Dreamer would do something with Taz, and then those guys somehow would always find. Uh, their way back to each other. And I think that's the sort of tapestry that we can knit here uh, with this storyline. And, and uh, who knows where these guys are going to take it. I didn't want to get off here without talking about the Slammiversary. It's uh, uh, coming up in Toronto, as you mentioned, the head office, the head, the headquarters, I'm trying to say here, 
for the for the organization. July twenty second is that the right date? Right. That is July twenty second at the Rebel Complex in Toronto. Uh, Moose versus Aries going to be a great main event and a, and a lot of cool stuff on the card. Going to be great to be in Toronto, world class city for wrestling. As you know, we're really pumped. Uh, I am as am I. That'll be also be a, a, a real fun show to watch. I, I think. Again, you've got a very competitive landscape within the business in general. We all know, as they should, quite frankly, uh, uh, WWE guys talk to Impact guys and vice versa, and Ring of Honor is fitted in there, and you know Lucha Underground, and you know everybody's they're, they're buddies. These guys are peers, so there's so there's a competitive level for them as well. I think uh, your guys will rise to the occasion. Is there any? How do I get a ticket? Not me, but uh, I don't know, I'll call. I'll call you. But how do I get it? How do how does fans can they still get tickets? Yeah, uh, there's still some tickets left. We're encouraging people to grab them because we sold an awful lot the, fir- the first day of on sale. But go to impactwrestling.com. You'll get all the details there. And you know what? Bring the family. Spend a week in Toronto. It's a great city, especially in the summer. I'm pumped out. Uh, pumped up about that. I'm pumped up uh, up about being on All In in September. It, it really is such an exciting time, Jr. As you what know, are you doing there? The wrestling business right now. Um, what are you well, doing at All In? On, on the on the pay per view, uh, or the sorry, on the New Japan Dominion show, right after the Bucks won the World uh, Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. <clears throat> unbeknownst to me, Matt Jackson came out and on live television uh, said, "Hey, what are you doing September first? Come do the color commentary for All In." So uh, cool. so that's all I know. I know I'm booked. I know I'm doing color. I don't know with who, and I don't know how it's being sent out there because people are asking me that. But I tell you what, I'm pumped because I love the Bucks and Cody. I think what they're doing is great. Yeah, me too. They're good, very uh, entrepreneurial-spirited kids. They would have been great. I, 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 I compare and I judge a lot of today's talents by this uh, analogy. How would that person be in the territory days? And those guys, would have, they would have been like the Rock and Roll Express. They could have gone to any territory they wanted. I'm speaking of the Young Bucks. Whenever they wanted uh, and would have been on top. No doubt about that. So, to me, and they're Cody, keepers. And Co- Same yeah, and Cody, to me, is one of the few pure heels left in the business. And I, I commend him for that because I grew up on Nick Bockwinkle being my world heavyweight champion in Winnipeg with the AWA. So, I love yeah. a, a, good, a great working heel champion. And he's, he's definitely a guy that fits that bill. So, Pretty exciting. Bachwinkle is the epitome of the uh, description: a wrestling heel, a wrestling yeah. heel. And so he was such a good wrestler that when you finally, finally were able to out wrestle him as a babyface, he cheated to regain his advantage, and it worked every time. It's just human nature. We're we're, we're, and he we're built like- that way. He looked like a, a ninth, mid nineteen sixties Hollywood movie star. He just just epitomize the word class i am a huge flair mark but in terms of the persona i love Bachwinkle as a champion yeah he was great he, nick was very very uh underrated in some generations uh, because the people didn't see him if you didn't get awa uh you know so you know, tough because you, you catch catch nick in st louis occasionally or houston but yeah he was mm-hmm. a, he was classic what a nice man did so much great work for the cauliflower alley club even living in vegas and all that so uh and hopefully your organization uh can can begin to have a little bit more of a uh participatory uh inclusion to the cauliflower alley club it helps the boys and the monies that we give which is totally 100 percent nonprofit, 
are, and nobody even gets their plane tickets paid for to come out there or their rooms. Mm-hmm. It's all volunteer. Mm-hmm. But we help help a lot yep. of people, Don. So maybe mm-hmm. you could guys get some of your folks to come out there uh, next year in Vegas. It's a nice couple I, of days. I think my partner, Scott Damore, and I have talked about that. And, and that's right up my alley because when I think about the, the things that, you know, make me good or not good or like, you know, whatever I've learned in the business that's valuable, I learned from the veterans. I learned from Rick Martell, from Bad News Allen, from Jimmy Brunzel. I learned from getting to call a few matches with you. I mean, those veterans helped me get to where I am today. And I think anything that any of us can do in this business to give back to those guys, 100% is, is something we should be doing. Absolutely. Well, Don, look, I really appreciate you joining me here this time on the show I hope we can do it again sometime if there's anything i can do for impact wrestling uh you know you know how to get my attention and and uh bring it to my attention i'll be happy to help anybody i can i am a wrestling fan and this show is a regard i have a lot of get a lot of input from the wrestling fans i want to be as positive about our business in general as i possibly can i want more people to enjoy the run the ride that i have and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So others should have that same opportunity. And they, they can do that if there's plenty of places to work. And right now we've got plenty of places to work. And I'm all for you guys. And you just remember, JR, I'll leave you with this. When I saw you in Los Angeles a few months ago, I said, I want to make sure you and I get to call a match together with me doing color. You obviously doing play by play at some point. And your words to me, Jim Ross, I'm going to hold you to this where it'll happen someday, buddy. So let's keep that in the back of our minds. Yeah, probably will. I don't know if I can replicate 89 Flair and Steamboat, but I'll, I'll sure as hell give my best. <laughs> it, it has a little bit to do with the guys that are, that are, that are painting the picture. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> a little, just a little bit. So, Don, look, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you and best of luck to you. Folks, Slam Reversary on pay-per-view is c- coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. There may be a strange run-in by Carl DeMarco wearing a Speedo. We're not sure about that. Oh, it could happen. It could no, happen. That, that will never happen. <laughs> oh, wait. This just in from the home office. That will not happen. Call off the uh, T-shirt makers and the uh, other things. So anyway, Don, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jr. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's broadcast. Uh, we've enjoyed uh, bringing it to you, that's for sure. Love uh, dishing out that uh, good old Slavonocker audio here on the Mighty Westwood One. Uh, the latest five-star reviews, we've got 862 five-star ratings so far. Uh, this is uh, Tex BDX. Love the new podcast more than the old format. Aha. Well, that's because of producer Ted, uh, which I thought rocked. Oh, well, so much. It did rock a little bit, over 200 shows. Watching JR since back in the 80s, he's the, my voice of wrestling. Love listening to him, his guests, and all the new segments. Give it up, Mr. Ross. Well, first of all, sir, Mr. Ross is my dad. I'm Jr. So from now on, ixnay the Mr. Ross A. Okay? Uh, music, S-T-R-Y. These are down. These names. Hey, I'll have to tell Ted in our next big staff meeting just to make these names up. I can't pronounce the damn things. The Jim Ross Report on the mighty Westwood One Network is just great. I love the Pet Coon Goofy Award segment. And what's on my mind segment, JR is informative and at times really comical. At times really comical. All in all, it's a podcast I love listening to every week and can't wait for JR to go to two a week. Shame on you, sir. 
music two a week that's a lot of work so folks i say this uh keep uh, sending your questions comments suggestions to uh the jim ross report at gmail.com uh remember to subscribe to apple Podcasts, google play or wherever you get your podcast those five-star ratings are damn sure important for us they're just really important for us i'm telling you uh and I encourage you to do this every week. It's the best thing I've done on my app in my app world is uh, check out the new Westwood One podcast app. Uh, you can listen to all your shows, all the shows in Westwood One. There's a lot of great stuff. Eric Bischoff's 83 Weeks with Connie. Oh, God, I love Connie. Those cheeks just chubby. I can make them jiggle. Uh, talk is Jericho, the ubiquitous Chris Jericho called Don Callis, ubiquitous. It's a Winnipeg thing. The Talk is Jericho show. 12360 with X Pac. My buddy Sean Waltman does a great job. Conan's keeping it 100. And many more, including Opie Radio. So search Westwood One Podcast in the App Store and Google Play today. Now, uh, I encourage you always, real quickly here, to follow me on Twitter at JRSBBQ. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Jim Ross BBQ. Uh, we're excited about our tour dates coming up. We've talked about that significantly here. Only a few tickets left in some of these markets. Some markets don't have any uh, VIPs or some are sold out in GAs. But insidetheropes.co.uk will give you those answers. I mentioned WWE Shop where you can get to all your grilling stuff. JR brand there. We do appreciate that. And uh, next week, folks, uh, first time guest next week, very outspoken, very unique. A man that he's a he signed with the UFC and with MLW Wrestling, Tom Lawler, filthy Tom Lawler, ladies and gentlemen, will venture into our space for the first time here next week. Whoop will join us as well. So until then, I'm getting in my black truck. I'm headed south from Oklahoma City, right back down to Norman, where I belong. And uh, I will tell you this in all sincerity: I thank you very much for your support. Remember that our tomorrows are never ever guaranteed. Never take a day of your life for granted by any stretch of the imagination. And whatever you do, go out and do something nice for somebody that might not have been expected. So until next week, right here on the Mighty Westwood One, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Keeping it 100 with Conan. I saw where Andrew Everett from Impact had done, I think it was a top rope moonsault. He got like a really high elevation, but he was kind of falling short and Santana from LAX went underneath him and caught him. If he wouldn't have based him correctly, he would have really got hurt. Keeping it 100 with Conan. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free, Free. from the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.